Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 We got the 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 fear. That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to episode 11 of Culture Fear. Um, I'm sat here recording this just after my conversation with Chris. Um, yes, and it was brilliant, so hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, before that, I'll just keep you updated, I guess, with what's gone on in my life or going on. Um, next week, the 17th of August, 2018, I'm putting on a show, probably the last show I'll ever put on in London, maybe the last show I'll ever put on. Um, it's with The Winter Passing um, you may know them one because you may know them because they're great or from the first episode that um, we put out uh, where I spoke to Kate from the band um, that's with The Winter Passing obviously and Flirting, Love Songs and Cheerbleeders at DIY Space um, yeah pop down it should be really good it's all ages DIY Space is an incredible um um, space that we're uh, fortunate enough people put so much effort into in London and that we have so yeah if you can make it down that'd be brilliant um, I guess doors will be about 7.30 um, yeah um, so I asked um, if anyone wanted to ask me anything about two hours before recording this um, on Twitter and um my pal Lewis asked what I've been listening to at the moment, so I thought I'd write down. I've got four records. Um, Tony Molina's Kill the Lights. Really cool. Got put onto it by a friend called Dan last week. Um, the first song I was like, wow, it's like the Beach Boys meets Sally Cinnamon by the Stone Roses. Um, I guess it's all kind of Beach Boys-y to me, but um, really nice stuff. Um, the Popcorn or Pop Can record Forever. Um... Jamaican artist, uh, dancehall, I guess. Very chill, I'd say. Amazing in this weather. Um, turn it up loud. Really recommend that record. Um, my Probably my favourite band of the last few years. The internet released a record this month, late last month, called Hive Mind. Did not disappoint. Really amazing. Like, honestly, um, those five people um, make incredible music on their own. Um, and when they come together, it's just, it blows my mind. Kind of funk, uh, R&B, um, that kind of stuff. A little bit of hip-hop. Um, worth your time, no matter what music you like, I think, because they're just incredible songs. And then the last one I'll talk about is the Culture Abuser al- album, Baydream. Really surprised. I wasn't too into the stuff I'd listened to before, but um, a few friends said check out the new record. And I have, and it's brilliant. It's like... It's just like a slightly punker version of The Strokes for me and probably a better all-round album than what The Strokes did after Is This It as well. Um, Really surprised about how good it is. So yeah, um, check that out. Um, Other than that, um, yeah, so I guess spoke to Chris 
um, oh, who I've known through shows really in Leeds, going to, going to shows in Leeds every now and again, was introduced to Chris because, you know, we both enjoy football and going to the same kind of shows. So was introduced to him probably fairly early on. Um, really nice guy and I'm really in awe of everything he does um, with his football and his activism, which you'll, you'll hear about and how personal um, the politics that he he pushes I guess and like how he tries to make people have a better time really um, so it's amazing to sit down with him and him talk to me teach me things um, me ask questions that I didn't to questions that I didn't know the answers to really um, so that was great um, and then talking about football had a really cool time this month um, I put together a group of friends um, we we um, we played an 11 side game um, against Soho FC, a cool football team that play um, every week in London. If you're looking for an inclusive football team to play with in London, definitely hit them up. Um, good people. But yeah, um, a bunch of friends. There's about 15 of us in all, um, which was really nice. Like some of my friends that hadn't met other friends, we all came together and we played football. It was really nice. Um, it was nice for me because I guess my limitations in football kind of mean I defend more than I attack, but I purposely try to play centre mid because that's kind of a position I'd like to play. Um, probably boring if you're not like into football, but you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I put myself in a position that I wanted to, that I may not be good enough at the moment to do, but I guess the only way you get good is by pushing yourself and, you know, jumping off the uh, jumping off into blindfolded or whatever you want to call it so that was like really great for me really um, and football for me is you know it's been a really great thing for me the last few years kind of putting my focus into just playing and pushing myself and my body but yeah anyway enough rambling this conversation with Chris was really fun to have really nice to listen to what he had to say and what he's doing um, I think it's quite inspiring um, in a lot of ways I hope you enjoy it let me know um, also if you do enjoy it maybe tell a friend that you think will enjoy it um, rate us on iTunes subscribe um, yeah and if you didn't enjoy it thanks for listening this far and carrying on um, but yeah thank you take care of yourself tell a friend catch you next month hey Chris how you doing? yeah I'm good mate how are you? Wicked, thank you. Um, what you? What have you been up to? Uh, today or just in my life in general? Um, let's start with today. Okay, today I um, didn't wake up till about half nine and then got the train down here. Um, second second time I tried coming down here to record a podcast with you yeah. and then uh, and then was still delayed by about, probably about two and a half hours in the end. So yeah, just uh, stuck on a train for four hours, which is a, which is a treat. In between, in between Wakefield and Barnsley. Okay. So I spent a lot of time between Wakefield and Barnsley today. Fair enough. Um, what about um, just in life in general? What's been going on? Just in life in general, uh, at the minute, my kind of summer is is very football-related, playing in tournaments, um, having a bit of break from uni stuff, um, like on... Sun, yeah, Sunday, I was up in Glasgow with Glasgow St. Pauli and United Glasgow for a, for a gig that they were putting on. So spent the 
literally got there about four o'clock in the afternoon. The gig started at five and then went to the after party after, which was just a room upstairs of a bar. Cool. That finished at two in the morning and then was up at eight the next day to get a train straight back down to Leeds. Lovely. And then just slept since then to be on form for this. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you for uh, accommodating your headspace for this. Um, so, yeah, you've mentioned Yorkshire St. Pa- you've mentioned St. Pauli and like football um, and university, which are all kind of linked at the moment with you, right? Yeah. So we have to just go in to explain that a little bit. Yeah. So at the minute, like it feels like my life's just one big thing. That like everything, everything connects a bit, which is which is super nice. So um, for like the last five years, I've been involved with Yorkshire St. Pauli, which is a um, which is a Yorkshire-based fan club for a second division German football team. And then for perhaps the last three years, we've been playing football as well. So um, we've been running our football for all projects. Um, so that's that's been that's been integral to what Yorkshire St. Pauli is, as well as just watching just watching the St. Pauli matches. Um, and then almost accidentally, I. Um, and it was never kind of the aim of football for all for me. There was never kind of a, a personal motive. But after finishing my master's, decided that I wanted to do a PhD. And I thought, I kind of saw what was happening around me in terms of football for all. Okay. I was like, there's a, P- there's a PhD in this. Yeah. And like one that I, I really believe in as well. Like I think that this is something that needs to be talked about okay. in, in, in academic circles and wider. So I've uh, since... Since September last year, I got um, I got funding to do a PhD. So everything everything is about is about the kind of the same thing in my life, which is which is football, politics, sociology, uh, refugees and asylum seekers, and uh, ultimately all done through Yorkshire San Pauli. Okay, cool. So what um, what did you tell the university that you wanted to do for your PhD? Then what was your how did you sell it? Okay, so um, what happened was um, I was I was already doing loads of stuff with Yorkshire San Pauli. Like, I was just starting to do, like, presentations and stuff to, like, DFA and... I guess we should go back. What is Yorkshire San Pauli? Okay, scrap that. What, what <laughs> and what's is, your role in Okay, it? so Yorkshire San Pauli, the most fundamental thing is that we're just into watching San Pauli and San Pauli is this what is what can be understood as a progressive or left-wing football team within Germany that plays at a professional level to play in the second tier of German football. So a well-established kind of professional outfit that gets 25,000 fans to matches in, in Hamburg every week. Um, we were just a fan club for that. Yeah. That's all, that's all that we were about. Just like a, there's a lot of fan clubs around the world for St. Pauli, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a lot in, in Germany alone, but there's there's ones in uh, New York have been going a long time, um, Brazil. <clears throat> um, and that's due to the politics and the culture that, of that the fans. Is, that is primarily fueled by uh, by the politics of the, of, of the fans and the, the culture that surrounds that. So to kind, I think, I think only recently that, in terms of like when people have been thinking about football, has it been kind of not weird to think about it politically? Like it, like I think when um, it might just be from the fact that I've been involved in in this kind of stuff for so long. Yeah. But I think people are starting to think about football politically now, 
Whereas like maybe like five, six, seven years ago, it was just, especially in the UK, it wasn't. People didn't kind of as much think about it politically. Yeah, um, and I guess a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of people are always telling a lot of whether it's online or you know, there's a certain group of football fans that will always push back on football and politics being yeah. mixed, which obviously is when you're coming from it saying it is mixed. You look at history and it is, and it always has been exactly because I think well that that line is 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 adopted by is adopted by FIFA. They say that there's no place in football for politics. Um. So it's very, uh, it's very from the top down that they say that polit- politics and football shouldn't mix. But if we understand pretty much everything that we do in our life as political, as a political choice, and that that our kind of values and and what we do at the cost of a ticket for a football match that is political, right? And if you're talking about twenty five thousand, thirty thousand people all coming to one area in a city every week to watch a football match. You're telling me that 25,000, 30,000 people in one space isn't political. There's something political about that, or at least it has political potential. And the kind of the beliefs that surrounds that space is going to be is going to be political, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, just to quickly um, say something because for me, football, as far as I'm aware, this is what I have been told and read, and that I believe that in what would it have been the 1860s when people started playing football more and it became more formal it was as far as I'm aware it was due to the fact that people had Sunday off to go to church yeah and then for some reason I'd imagine because people were I would imagine because of uh, trade unions were pushing for more time off um, people started people workers were allowed the afternoon off on a Saturday right that happened a lot of the men that were working started going to the pub on a Saturday at one o'clock instead of five o'clock when they'd finish work, which meant by five o'clock or ten o'clock when they'd usually leave, people were a lot less worse for wear. There was obviously, because of that, there was a lot more violence and things like this. So the politicians and as well as the like, the um, as well as other people, again, probably the trade unions, probably... Um, just like local community members were like, what can we do to give these people something to do on a Saturday? You had cricket for the people in the middle classes and the upper classes, <clears throat> but you didn't have something for the working person. And that is why football became... In the football that we know was invented. And that is why when you look at the first clubs, they played on cricket grounds. Yeah, yeah. The reason why that was was because in the summer it was cricket, but those grounds and the infrastructure was already there. <clears throat> so during the winter they made they they started playing football there and then obviously as popularity grew and pe- uh, people started going more and more they could have their own grounds yeah and so <clears throat> football was the football as we know it modern well not modern football that's a different that's a different thing but like football as we know it was totally political yeah 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 for and sure. I, I mean, we could go down other routes as to why for but the last hundreds of years. It's funny now because, like, you talk about like trade unions, and you're thinking the amount of times that, and and also religion as well, and the amount of times that like you hear kind of like these old jagged voices on the, on who are meant to be on the left or call themselves who, who like old Marxist voices, particularly within academia, will often kind of turn their nose up at football 
and like this is a this is something that I experienced in my time at university when I was 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 wanting to talk talk sport and politics and about the relationship between the two that a lot of the time even if they didn't turn their nose up at it, they just weren't interested. Yeah, yeah. And I've that for me, the relationship between sport and politics always has. But you always, I always had, or at least have read in journal articles, people kind of turn their nose up at it and call like football the new opiate of the masses. It's re- replaced religion in that sense. And I kind of, I remember reading an article that said that and just thinking, just, just all like knowing it was bollocks straight away. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was kind of my my point of being like. I I want to do something, um, in well, in terms of my PhD, being like I want to do something that that looks at the relationship between sport and politics. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. And um, how does yeah? So going back to where we were before my um, digression, how does Yorkshire St Pauli do that? So um, for for me at the start, I wasn't involved with Yorkshire St Pauli from from day one. I came along probably about. A year later, so uh, Yorkshire Pally started in 2011, just as the fan group, just watching the games, and I came along probably, probably 2012. Okay. Yeah, it's probably like my second year of uni. Started getting involved because you was already into St. Pauli, or because uh, I wasn't already into St. Pauli. I went to I went to Yorkshire Pally knowing about St. Pauli, but I wasn't into it. Yeah, like I wasn't I wasn't invested in it, and then through Yorkshire St. Pauli, I got really kind of into into St. Pauli. Yeah, um, but like. Uh, Kind of as long as I've, as as long as I can remember, like even like when I was like playing FIFA and stuff, I'd always be like, I'd always pick like the teams that have had some sort of like left wing history or like some sort of like and like not players like teams that are notoriously right wing and stuff like that. So, okay. so as so as as long as as long as that's gone by, really. Yeah, um, and then so yeah, so Yorkshire St. Pauli, um, watching the football games. Yeah. How how did you start? Yeah, football for all. How yeah. how did that start coming? Yeah, so so the original thing was was just watching the games, and then, um, and then probably like a year after me being involved, um, we were always throughout that time we were always like passing a glass around at half time while we were watching the Sam Party games, and it was just an empty glass and we'd fill it with like change and stuff, and then just donate that to Pathras, which is Positive Action for Refugees and Asylum Seekers, which is a Leeds Leeds based charity, and. Um, yeah, so it was just a monetary donation at first, and then we, um, and then we, we wanted to do a little bit more. So we like started inviting service users from Parfras to come down and watch the Sun Party games with us at, at Wolf Chambers in Leeds. Yeah, and uh, it was just funny because like n- no one was really asked for watching for watching second division German football. Like it's a hard sell. So, um, but people were like, "Oh, can we play football?" And then it was like that point that like. A few of us thought, well, yeah, we'll give it a go. And yeah. uh, so it's football for all kind of started by by that process where originally we just started as kind of YSP FC and joined a five-a-side league and um, very quickly realised once we joined this five-a-side league that um, it wasn't for us and it wasn't, especially wasn't uh, a space that was welcoming for refugees and, and people seeking asylum so but we had we had so much interest like we had like 10 people showing up to want wanting to play five aside yeah so we thought why don't we just why don't we just book our own pitch and then we can kind of like set some sort of parameters to to what we do in terms of like 
just not arguing with each other. Yeah, so what didn't you enjoy on the league that okay. you wanted to take into your own okay. t- game? So for me, I hadn't played football since school. Like the, from leaving school, leaving high school, in well, leaving sixth form in 2011 um, to playing football in, yeah, like 2013, I hadn't really kicked a football. Okay. And I went into kind of five-a-side football almost a bit naive and being like, oh, it'll be fine. And it just wasn't. And what wasn't fine about it was, for a start, um, it was just very kind of hyper-macho bullshit. Like, there was so much kind of aggression on the pitch. um, And um, I felt like... I felt like... It was all about ability for a start as well. So I was, we weren't very good. We were getting beaten like 20-0. But I think what happened in that space was that just like stuff like shoulder barging and pushing people, pushing us into, like pushing people into the boards and stuff like that. And it's just like we wanted to play football for fun and we wanted to invite people down to play football for fun. And in that space, it just wasn't fun. There was nothing. There was nothing fun about it. And what I what I noticed, and what what a couple of others noticed as well, that the the uh, the guys that were playing for us, I think at the time, I think at the time all of them were from Syria. Um, they were being treated different to how I was being treated, or how my mate Scott was being treated. Okay. Um, and it was it was quite subtle, but it was definitely there. And it was stuff like, so um, players would go in harder on them. Yeah. And stuff like that because they they knew that they'd get a they'd get a reaction more and the I, and the ref the ref we'd notice that if if someone pushed me then I'd get a foul I'd get a free kick yeah whereas although I were, I'm not going to say it was completely like you turned a blind eye to everything but it, there was definitely a different level yeah of response to if I got pushed over to then if a Syrian guy got pushed over and um, kind of very subtle racisms. Were, were happening in front of us and it was just like do you know what we we can't invite like even on a really pra- practical level you can't say do you want to come play football with me and then yeah for that person then just to be f- kind of physically pushed around because they're not going to come back and then that person's kind of cut off from us forever then so and uh, yeah and for me i just i i just really disliked it so it was almost like born from born from being pissed off at that and yeah. just not, just not, like thinking, what? Why would? Why would you want to do that? To creating something that we thought was a bit more, well, was was a lot more kind of welcoming, and that was about creating friendships more than yeah. anything, yeah. and a, a kind of space of football that was that was centered very much about on fostering friendships. So we, uh, so there's just like really kind of basic things, like just saying like. We're here to have fun. We're here to play in a, like a chilled out way. It's about making friends, and then like it, it just kind of exploded from there. So from booking out a five a side pitch, we moved to a seven a side pitch. Then we moved to a seven and a five a side pitch, and then like now we're getting like maybe like thirty between like thirty and forty people every week okay. on a Sunday, yeah. of which um, probably half are half are refugees or. Or what would be understood as uh, people seeking asylum. So um, it's it's really cool. It's like um, there's no kind of prerequisite to playing. So it's mixed. It's mixed gender. 
um, it's it's open to all abilities. The ability is kind of not. It's it, yeah. it, there's no kind of capital and ability at football for all. It's just it's just about chilling and like just enjoying enjoying football for what it is. And and it is it's still very much about football, but at the same time, there's something more going on than football. That there's there's something really nice about a bunch of people just playing a sport in a almost a in a really uncompetitive, laid-back way. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing and important, I guess, because the people that don't find their... The people that find the aggressive leagues fun... Yeah. Because people do. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, up and, and down the country there's, there's, every single there's night... Nothing, there's nothing particularly wrong with that either. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it's all done in the right yeah. way, definitely. Um, they can they can, they can, can go to any power league or goals... Um, any night of the week and join a league so it's amazing that you've started something that has also become popular yeah which is maybe you don't enjoy that but you also enjoy football why don't you give this a go yeah I think it I think that's the thing like it really resonates with a lot of different people so um, I think there's a lot of people who kind of because there is a politics to San Paolo you do find like kind of a lot of kind of like lefty people coming along um, but we, I think it was, I think it was quite like a, like quite an active decision not to like say we're like a socialist or an anarchist football club. It was about kind of let the, let, let the politics do the talking in what we do and yeah. not what we say. Cause it's really easy to say something and, and, but to actually do it is something completely different. So was, you say that you're anti-fascist, right? Yeah. So, so stuff like that is something, like really kind of broad. Like when, like we say we're anti, we say like very, <coughs> very, very explicitly that we're anti-fascist and that we're anti-racist, anti-sexist, um, anti-homophobic. These very kind of clear lines. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's like the politics is is played out through what we do and yeah. through our through our interactions, and it's it. It's it's not trying it's it's about not trying to hold ourselves up to being something, and just instead just let it flow and see what happens. Um, so yeah, we're 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 very political, uh, explicitly political in saying no football for fascists, and that fascists aren't welcome in this space because it it, it absolutely can't fascism acts absolutely contradicts with what we're trying to create in that space. But beyond that, it's it's the the kind of what would be understood as kind of left perhaps like left wing ideals is is kind of just played out through through what we do. Yeah, and I think you see that like you see that through like other guests you've had on here as well in terms of like DIY punk and stuff like that. It's not saying oh we're 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 all anarchists here. It's about just doing just doing stuff right yeah okay and like the politics exists in what you're doing and what you're creating and the spaces that you create and the, the interactions that happen within those spaces that's the politics yeah it's uh it's too easy to be like and again it ha- even even in terms of like anti-racism it'd be really easy for like football groups to say oh yeah like you see it with football teams all the time in the premier league that they say Oh yeah, we're we're committed to fighting racism, and they're like standard like a kick it out banner. But they say, oh yeah, we're not racist. So racism, because we say we're not racist, racism can't possibly happen within our football team. Right? They see racism as something that happens over there, and that it can't possibly be produced and reproduced through 
through what's happening. And that's actually a really kind of dangerous thing because then you're not addressing racism in you're not you're not being reflective, you're not looking at yourself, you're not looking at how you're potentially kind of embodying certain forms of racism. So yeah. I think it's really important to like take a really kind of strong political approach in saying no football for fascists, but to also be really cr- kind of self-critical at the same time. Yeah. And to say, what are we doing that, or ask other people, what what do you think, what do you think we could do differently? Yeah, what could be better? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like you said, these football teams, well, we're not, we're, we're, we're not, that's, that's not here, we're perfect. Then that, it's the end of the conversation, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Rather than being like, well, and actually, this made me feel a bit uncomfortable or like, this is alarming. No, 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 but we're fine. Yeah, and you see it, you see it all the time with um, we kind of like left wing. I'll call myself left wing, but you see it all the time like left wing social movements, right? So they'll they'll say we're not this, so we we don't even need to kind of be self reflective on on what we're doing. Um, and I think the kind of the biggest example of that is is well, also that's just really visible with sexism as well, is that. It's it's easy for a bunch of guys to say we're not sexist, but why why is why are we just a bunch of guys? Yeah, and I think that's something that we kind of we we've learned a lot in the last kind of in the process of doing football for all is that hang on a minute, like yeah, we we say we're mixed gender and we say we play football, but at the same time, there is um, it's still predominantly men. There's there's probably what like four five rate. Uh, regular women participants within football for all. Yeah. So it's about kind of being like really critical of what we're doing and try try change that. Yeah. And try and make sure that when we say when we say football for all and everyone is welcome, then is it is it that way? Is it is everyone actually really welcome in this space? Because if it's not, then we sh- we should do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And. um you drew a parallel, I guess, with like punk community, DIY stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I know that you're into like you're into you go to shows in that yeah, that yeah. kind of scene in Leeds and stuff. Yeah, is that something that you've been into since you were a teenager? Yeah, so probably, uh, probably like since I was about fifteen. Okay, and was that parallel to to being into football as well? Yeah, so I've been in football has always been the biggest the biggest love of my life. Like ever since I was a kid, just absolutely love loved everything like playing football, watching football, playing playing video games, like absolutely everything to do with football. And I think it was when I started going to punk shows like at the age of like fifteen, and and then more so like from the age of like. 18 when I got started going to like DIY punk shows especially like Wharf Chambers like I'd go to I'd go to Wharf like every week and just go to whatever I was on like didn't matter what was on it because it'd always be like three quid in yeah. to see to see the band and I'd go oh yeah I'll go see the band see what I like so I was going I used to like go down there all the time just see bands and I think it was kind of being exposed to that DIY community that made me kind of think why can't football be like this okay because I was like I saw like what was good. Like, it, it felt very much like, like those shows really kind of blurred the line between the kind of that do that between like the band and the audience. Yeah, I think particularly as there was only like eight people there anyway. But like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. helps. But I think there was um, that some something about that um, 
kind of DIY vibe. Um, and in fact, just just saying, do it yourself. Don't like that vibe of being like, create what you want to create. Don't wait around for someone else to do it. Don't don't wish that football could look a different way. And I think I really kind of learned a lot from from going to those shows in ways that at the time I didn't really realize that I was learning. Yeah. And like I'm not I'm not particularly musical. Like I don't I don't play anything or but I I I loved going to those shows. And then I was kind of thinking, well, I don't really want to be in a band. I don't play anything. But how can this translate to kind of the other love of my life which is football? Yeah. And then I think it was that kind of thing of 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 kind of um thinking critically about football and then that's kind of where I started finding out about Sampali. And then from there I ended up on this spiral of 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 football taking over my life. But there's there's massive parallels between between what what football for all is and those shows that I was going to when I was kind of eighteen and nineteen. Yeah. Like there's so much kind of crossover in that respect. Okay. And did you feel like you take those ideals that you learnt or you heard people talking about and started embodying at AC nineteen, yeah, that's what you take. How much of that do you think? Do you think that what Yorkshire St. Pauli, what you do with it, like you yourself, your input in Yorkshire St. Pauli, because it's not just you, is it? There's a few. Yeah, of you. yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that it is heavily informed by those that that those those shows, and what that means? I think I think particularly for me it is, um, and I think for other people it is. It's just this kind of. Um, really kind of like you can you can do it like you can do what you want to do and if if it does like for those for those shows because i obviously like when i was a teenager i go into like bigger shows and stuff like that and i thought oh what like it's kind of like just being an aura of a band whereas yeah. like i think when you go to like a smaller show and you you think anyone can just put on a gig like anyone can do it and i think that kind of that kind of thing like and like I was saying before with the football, like we joined we joined the five aside league and then it was like, why don't we just do our own thing? Why don't we just create what we want to create and make it look like how we want it to look like? And that's what's happening. That's what I saw happening with those with those DIY punk shows um down at Wharf Chambers. So it's it's for me it's it kind of always kind of stuck with me and like how and also just like how everything was I think those those kind of shows come back to exactly what I was on about before, like how everything is everything's political, right? And yeah. it, they really understood that, and like like stuff, even stuff like safer spaces policies and and stuff like that. It, it really made me think about how really everything that we do has a, has a is is a is is a political consequence. Yeah. So. Uh, Obviously, so you've been doing, so you've been playing football with um, people from Pathras, yeah, since two thousand and thirteen, yeah, yeah. So for the last kind of four or five years of my life, yeah. Um, obviously, Britain still has the same government as then, yeah, but a lot has changed since then as well, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, that government has carried on doing things, um, harsher things. I'd I'd say yeah, yeah, yeah. since then, have you seen a difference? Um, for me, it'd be really hard to tell because what happened was when we when we first started um, with with football for all, um, 
both me, Scott, I can speak definitely for me and Scott, were quite naive okay. to to what was happening. And a lot of my knowledge kind of gained before going into my PhD about the lives of refugees and asylum seekers was not through kind of taking a kind of social policy approach. It was through just conversations. Yeah. So we, like, I think probably when I when we first started playing, um, I probably didn't know the difference between a refugee and an asylum seeker. Um, would you be able to tell us what Yeah, so... Um, uh, someone seeking asylum. So, if you just understand it as a process, so someone is seeking asylum and once they've been granted asylum, they're a refugee. Okay, that's the kind of legal understanding of that. And a refugee is someone who um, who's being granted leave to remain because the government recognises that they um, that that they that they're that they're. Um, that they're basically running from something. Yeah, their situation means that they can't yeah, go. They can't from go where back because they they're through fear of being um, persecuted yeah. for what for whatever reason, right? So um, that's very much the legal kind of thing, and there's there's a lot of semantic issues around in that. So we kind of we try we say refugees and asylum seekers law, but like fundamentally, like if someone says they're a refugee, they're a refugee, right? So if if they say I'm a refugee, then who's is it it's not up to us to decide if they're not a refugee oh yeah so yeah so, yeah. so there's kind of like that's that's the legal definition and that's kind of the definitions that it's, it's probably easiest to to work with because they're, they're they're the ones that are most understood so but coming back to the point i think um i think it'd be hard for me to say if there's been that much change uh, in that space of time because um i've learned i've learned a lot in that space of time, and the kind of it feels like the more I learn, um, the kind of the the shit of the picture gets. Yeah. So, and it is. I think um, it's hard as well. And I've spoken to when I first started my PhD. I'm, I think that kind of really highlighted almost how little I knew. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know too much about the asylum process. Um, and I made a point of being like, right, I need to, I need to learn about the asylum process if I'm going to be talking about the role that football has in the lives of of of, of people going through the asylum process, yeah. no matter what part, what no matter where um, on that on that process they fall. So I found myself like trying to trying to understand the asylum process and had that kind of basic definition that I just talked about, and then I just started reading stuff and just found myself so confused. I felt kind of really bad, and I was like, "Thing, I'm not good enough to do this PhD or whatever because I don't understand a lot of this stuff that I'm reading." And but the reason why I didn't, I understand individual bits, but the reason why I didn't understand it is because it's deliberately confusing. Okay. That it's it, it's I mean I've spoke and it's changing all the time as well. So I was reading something, and then like I'd read another thing, and it would completely contradict it. It'd say something completely different. Yeah. So, and I was like, "What's going on here?" Basically, and then I I spoke to. I spoke to uh, people who work at, at Pathras and like, I've got friends who are asylum lawyers and stuff like that, immigration lawyers, and they were like, yeah, that's that's the system. You're, you're understanding it. Like, okay. it's deliberately confusing. If you think it's confusing for me with all my kind of social capital in terms of um, getting access to resources, uh, understanding the language that these that these things are all written in, then imagine how confusing it is for someone who 
speaks minimal English or speaks not, or can't read English or can't act, doesn't know where to access the resources. Like I can't tell you about the asylum um, process in most other countries. Like I, I couldn't really tell you about any other country, even in Europe. So yeah. if you could, uh, if you imagine someone coming to the UK and trying to, and very much firmly situated within that process, how kind of confusing that must be for them even if because it is for me with all the kind of with all with all the kind of capital that I have in my favor in that 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 situation um and I was speaking I was speaking to a uh, to a lecturer at, uh, at my uni about this as well and he's a he's a migrant from Canada and he was saying that he found um the migration process extremely kind of um Extremely confusing, but also also very kind of um, invasive as well. Okay, yeah. And like um, when he married his wife in the UK, they took um, they took him and her into separate rooms to to question them to try establish if it was a sham marriage or not. Yeah. And it's like this is happening. If that's happening to people who um, who who are who are doctors and stuff like that imagine how bad it is for people for for people who who don't have who don't have status yeah. and who are up against a fight all the time to 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 remain in this country so i think that for me like conversations like that really kind of highlighted what's what's going on in the uk and i think it's i think it's particularly uh, the, the kind of thing that kind of threw me the most when I when I started getting involved and started. Now a lot of my friends are are, are refugees and or, or seeking or seeking refugee status at the minute. Um, the thing that threw me was when I've been speaking to um, when I've been speaking to charities and stuff is that the majority of um, asylum applications are refused. Okay. And then if you if you then challenge that decision. And take um, the Home Office to court. Um, a startling amount of them are overturned. So there's something going completely wrong in that system, yeah, and that system yeah. is is very much stacked against that person because they don't have economic or social capital to compete with 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 the with the with the with the government that they're fight that they're that they're seeking status from. Yeah. So for me, it was. That was the thing that kind of hit home that that this is this is a rigged system against against people that that are trying to basically live and trying to survive by being in the UK. Yeah, which obviously the mainstream media is telling us is the opposite situation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, from where I'm I'm sitting anyway. Yes, yeah. I see it being the opposite. Yeah, it's as if anyone can come here and live here and claim what they want, kind of thing. That you see yeah. that quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. You know those, um, you know, uh, you see those microaggressions everywhere. People can, you know, these people get so, so much that we don't, that us people that were born here don't get. Blah 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 yeah. blah. Where obviously what you're telling me is, in fact, almost the complete opposite. Yeah. So, um, so this is actually it just makes me laugh every time I like not laugh, but like. It's either laugh or cry, right? So every time you hear on like the rhetoric, especially around the kind of 2010 election, um, or was it 2015? No, 2010 election was very much like um, 
like asylum seekers are coming here and taking up refugees are coming here and they'll take your job right but when you're when you're seeking asylum you're not allowed to work yeah and you're on um if if you've got access to if you've got access to support you're on uh 35 pound a week to live off um you get your accommodation um that's usually um that's usually run by like a company like g4s oh wow um and uh yeah you're on 35 pound a week and you can't work you're not allowed to work in that space of time either so um when you think and this this is kind of the thing that got me that like when you think about the role that maybe leisure and sport has within that if someone can't work and they can't and they're on limited money what does that mean for sport and leisure in their life for me who's got a, a fully funded phd um i i can afford to access football i can afford to yeah. go to the gym and go swimming and stuff like that um i can afford the bus to get there yeah, <laughs> i can afford yeah. kit to wear at that thing or you can afford to sacrifice going out friday to going out saturday yeah. or you know you, you might not yeah. you might have to be sacrificing yeah. your life but there's a lot less things you have to think about yeah, exactly and you can probably do everything and you i want can do that because i've because i've got yeah. i've got i've got the money to do it and I've got the social networks required yeah. to do that as well. Yeah. For uh, someone um, who is um, seeking asylum, they've got £35 a week. A price of a day rider in Leeds is £4.10, right? So getting a bus somewhere is, is wiping out your your yeah. daily allowance because that's £5 a day, right? So um, already you're down. Already you're struggling to access football. So for us... The kind of aim of football for all was very much about trying to break down those economic and social barriers to accessing football, um, and fo- through through playing with us. Yeah. So we would, um, so we we do we organise lifts from Pathras, which is the charity I talked about before, yeah. which deals with. Um, so with that thirty five pound a week, yeah. Do these people need charities like Pathras to help them one know about organisations like yours? But yeah. also, can can they get food? Like, can well, different question. Or with this, with these people that are only able to get thirty five pound a month, a week, a, a week. Sorry, yeah. are they able to go to a food bank down the road? Or yeah, yeah so um, so it would be up to uh, the. Um, sorry, what Parfrost does is they do hot meals as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So stuff like that. They can't access mainstream welfare. Um, so if the food bank is like a charity food bank where there's no questions asked and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's um, great. But then, if it's just say whoever's doing a, that local food bank to where this person happens to be like housed. Yeah. And that needs ID. Yeah. Um, to say that you live in that borough. Yeah. Then they might not be able to get food in that local area just because they yeah. happen to be in that local area. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure on if the yeah. situation's like that. Um, but when you think about um, the kind of shame involved in going to a food bank, yeah. accessing yeah. a food bank anyway, when yeah. when you're um, even when um, you may feel um, when even when um, you're British. But when you're not British and you're told that you don't deserve stuff yeah, anyway, yeah. imagine going to a food bank then, right? So, <laughs> and then obviously we're saying thirty-five pound a week, yeah, and we're not even thinking about the things that like um, that 
uh, like women or um, well, people that have like monthly um, cycles yeah. need, and that's a lot of money, especially yeah. when you're on that so little yeah, money. So, so you get so little money. Yeah. So the the um, the drop in that Pathros do they do um, they do food there, but they also do toiletries as well, yeah. and people often kind of forget about stuff like that and it's, it's, it's a massive thing that like when you think just even stuff like toothpaste and toothbrush and razors and um stuff like that that's the stuff that they're always they're always low on they're always yeah. they're always they're always low on stuff like and sanitary products they're always low on stuff like that and because because these things all add up they all they all bite into that yeah into and that 35 pound <clears throat> a week and i i'd imagine that not every area or community has an incredible uh, charity with so many people or, that that donate to that charity. So someone might be stuck in an area which I'm not going to name around America because it wouldn't be right to name yeah. an area which I know nothing about. But there could be an area of the country where there isn't a charity for those people yeah. or an organisation to help those people. So they have less. So they're able to access so much less yeah. than the fortunate people that are around Pathras. Yeah, uh, and also um, just people being aware of Pathros as well. Right? Okay, yeah. Like yeah. there's a lot of people who, a lot of um, uh, refugees, asylum seekers, and undocumented migrants that wouldn't be that wouldn't be aware of aware of Pathros. Um, I went to the Pathros um, AGM this year. What's an AGM? To, uh, annual general meeting. Just okay. to, they just went over what they'd done in the previous year. And the kind of they went over the report and um, yeah on on kind of stuff they'd given out and what the, the services they've been providing, and um, they also invited people to speak. So a lot of the like, a few of the service users spoke and stuff. And um, there's a woman who who um, who was homeless, and um, she uh, talked about how um, she didn't know that she could go to Pathras for help. She didn't know yeah. that it existed because no one had told her it existed, and she didn't feel like um, she could access that. So um, it's stuff like that, and like I remember, like if, for me, that was a wake up call as well because she was like, I, "Like, there's the thing that's kind of stuck with me in that in that in that meeting was that she said, um, she said, I, um, I've been homeless for so long." And uh, um, I'm still homeless now, even though I've accessed Pathros. But um, at least now, I'm homeless with hope that Pathros had provided her with a hope, and that that that, that they would help her with a case, and that that she could, even though she still she still felt horrible, she could see she could see a little bit of light at yeah. the end of the tunnel. And I think hope, stuff like hope and emotions. Are so central to what to what organisations like Pathros and other charities in um, I can only really speak for charities in Leeds because they're the ones that I know. But um, and then what's so is so kind of central to what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, mass- massively. It's yeah. Just it's 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 one of them like where um, it's it's a it's a part of society that I really didn't know about before getting into football and I didn't I didn't yeah I've I've learned so much just through just through conversations and just through finding out about people's situations and it's not like football for all the project we don't we don't we don't sit down and all chat about all chat about um 
kind of uh, asylum applications and stuff like that. Yeah. But those conversations tend to just come up come up naturally like whether it's after football and stuff like that or whether it's just through just through what a normal friendship would be like so like um in the same way that me and you would talk about a job application or a uni application like these things kind of get drawn out or like come out over time the closer you get to someone they'll start talking about yeah. what's happening in their life um so i've i've ended up just kind of learning about it in a really organic way and the more I learn the more kind of the more angry and kind of pissed off it makes me and and opens my eyes to to what's really going on and what I've been really kind of privileged in turning a blind eye to for for the majority of my life yeah yeah okay yeah and I agree um well not I agree like myself you know I'm asking I'm asking you questions and like um I might sound ignorant with my with my questions or the things yeah. that I'm saying, both you or like you might think so or yeah. someone listening. It's, it's but really, that's because I am ignorant to a lot of it because I don't know these things. Yeah, and I think we have to really kind of um, we have to create a culture where we 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 don't kind of turn our nose up at people um, for for asking what we think is a simple question, um, and I think the more that we do that the, the kind of more I think I think that's part of the problem is that people aren't actually aware of what's going on yeah so of course they're not going to be angry of course they're not going to have be, be like pissed off on behalf of an asylum seeker that's clearly been treated disgustingly yeah so I think the more that we talk about things that are going on such as such as the asylum system and the way the way that even stuff around the hostile environment and how that's part of it. Um, the more that we have conversations about that, the, the the more people will kind of. Hopefully, that's how change happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, it must. Does it ever happen that like like it must hit home sometimes when you're playing with someone a lot and then they're just not around anymore? Does um, yeah. So. It's a it's a question that I've had quite a few times actually, but it's 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 one of those things where um, you forget in a, in the nicest way possible is you for, you forget about when you're playing with when you're playing football the um, you don't because you don't see people as refugees or yeah, asylum seekers yeah. you don't think all the time about about their status and stuff like that like the, there's loads of people if you if you came down to football with me on Sunday and said where well, are Chris what's like where are people have they got have they got status how long have they been going in the asylum system for I couldn't tell you for a lot of people <laughs> and it so, would be quite a crass yeah, question to yeah, ask exactly well. <laughs> that is that's is, that is part of it right um, but then there is kind of really kind of big moments when you you say oh like where's so and so today and it's like he's, he, he got so the example is that um, about probably about six months ago um, two guys started coming and playing on a playing on a playing on a midday uh, on a weekday night with us and uh, yeah they, they lived in the same house together and um, one was from Syria and one was from Egypt. And uh, they used to always come together, always come together. Like, I only had the, the, the guy from Egypt didn't speak much English, so I just had the contact for the guy at um, 
the guy who was from Syria who who could who could reply to my messages and stuff. And uh, I, I I'd message him and say, oh, tell tell this person to come and um, to come football. And he'd always come. They'd always they'd always play together. And then I uh, uh, he he put on a. He, so it, it happened that week that I just said, oh, yeah, bring so-and-so. And he said, yeah, we'll do. And then he didn't come. And then um, my mate Scott was giving him a lift home after to back to, back to Hare Hills in Leeds. And he said, oh, where was, where was um, so-and-so tonight? And he said, oh, um, yeah, uh, in uh, border control came at the home office, raided the house, and uh, he got deported last night. And it's like that's the last time like I haven't seen him since, mm. and like because I didn't have his number, and because I didn't have contact for him, yeah. like I haven't I haven't spoken to him since. So I haven't seen him since the last time we played football, and uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it was I, I still because because the guy I used to come with is still in contact with him, so I know he's I know he's all right. I know he's well. He's been deported. I know he's but I know he's like all right. I don't know where he is and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it's stuff like that that like you build friendships, but they can still be taken away so quickly, and it's so out of your control. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's just it, it can all just change really quickly, and I'm sure that I'm sure that there's probably been a lot of stuff that's happened in the five years that I don't know about as well. Yeah. I imagine that people have left, and I'm. Most people tend to like come back most weeks and stuff, but I imagine there's been situations where people have come and and some stuffs happened to them that I don't know about. But um, that that one always sticks in my head the most because yeah. I had no way of kind of contacting him and making sure he was all right. But the fact that like he still roughly kept in contact with with it, um, with the Syrian guy he lived with made it made it a little bit easier, but. It was just a father, like he said, he would come in football one day, and yeah. then over that night, he all of a sudden wasn't anymore. Yeah, and um, yeah, how 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 are those situations for you? Um, like, do you have to do any work around this because it's quite heavy stuff, really? Yeah, so um, there's nothing. I think, I think for me, it's just on a, it's it's just yeah. It's just on a friendship level more than anything. That like it just yeah it just it and just people's situation in general. Like when I go to like or hear go to people's houses or like stuff like that. But like that that situation in particular just yeah it just bothered me for a bit. Like um like there was one the other week. There's a guy that's been playing with us for 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 a, a long time and the. Uh, after after football, he um, he said to me, um, he said to me, uh, Chris, are, are you are you free next Sunday? And I said, well, I'll be at football. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, um, afterwards, can I can I talk to you? Because my asylum case has gone bad. And I was like, well, we can talk, we can talk about it, but I can't. Like he was like, he wanted me to look over his asylum case. Okay. And I was like, I can't do that one because. Um, I'm not. I'm not qualified to do that. I yeah, don't. I don't know enough. Yeah, and it's it, it like it's illegal as well. I can't give okay. you. I can't give you advice anyway. Even if I knew what the advice, I couldn't give you like legal yeah. advice without being qualified to do that. Yeah. And uh, 
he kind of, he understood and stuff. And then I said, oh, I can point you in the direction of people to talk to anyway, but we can have a chat about it next week. And yeah, he's, he's, I know he's still, I know he's still about, but he hasn't like, he hasn't been to, he hasn't been to football since then. But I know he's, I know, I know people who know him and he's still about and stuff, but yeah, it's just, it's just, I know it like, it makes you think, oh, maybe I said the wrong, maybe I could have handled that situation differently or maybe I said the wrong thing. Um, maybe you thought I wasn't, I didn't want to help or something like that. But it, like all those kind of doubts come into your head, and then you start obviously um, like you worry about that person anyway. Like yeah. like that that dominates your head. And anyway, but yeah, I think it's situations like that. And um, but at the same time, like I wouldn't. That's not a reason f- to not kind of throw yourself into friendships. Yeah, and, yeah, and of course, still yeah. just absolutely like have the best time anyway, and still yeah. have the best time around. And it's not, I think, I think even if it is just through naivety, it's not in your head that maybe this person's not not going to stick around. Yeah, like you just in that moment you just forget about it. And I think football is actually really good at making not making every kind of thing about 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 that about the asylum process. Yeah, and and um. Like we like we were chatting about before we came in here that like football is is in many ways an escape, yeah. Right, so like it's an escape from kind of your everyday worries. But when you think that your everyday, if your everyday worries are are what? around the are, are surrounding kind of staying in the UK, then actually, actually football um, and playing football with a group of mates is it, it offers something something quite big and quite important. I think in yeah. terms of in terms of the mental health of that process. Yeah, where do you think that you? Why? Yeah, where do you find? Where do you think you found this, or why do you think you found this will to help? Um. Uh, oh, it's a big question. Yeah, um, has it I always think, been there from a kid? Uh, I think it was. Well, like I was saying, like for in this, in this, in this situation especially, it was just that. I wanted to like it was it was almost selfish. I just wanted to play football, yeah. And I didn't. I at the time, like I was saying, I didn't. I didn't actually at the time understand. But like the more I kind of learned, the kind of the more kind of like angry I got, and the more kind of like this is so messed up. And when 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 people stop being what what get labelled migrants and they're your friends as as bad as that sounds, then it become then that becomes so real. Yeah. And then that becomes so kind of like this is happening, this is happening around me and I I need to do even if I can't do anything kind of um politically to help, at least I can be a friend, at least I can at least I uh, we can try create a community that is that is welcoming and does in some way contradict what's going on in in a lot of society at the minute and kind of a, a, a welcoming everyday space that that kind of that kind of like like just 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 kind of contradicts what what we understand as the hostile environment and how the hostile environment is inf- is infiltrated down to everyone i think it's just i think my motivation is is one that i love football two that i'm pissed off and yeah. and three that I just want to like help my friends yeah, and be around my friends. Yeah, and it, it all those things kind of tangled together, of 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 kind of 
uh, are the energy f- is the energy that kind of fuels me, especially especially for football for all, and then that's now translated for my PhD as well. Yeah, and do you think that people at this university that are helping you on with your PhD yeah. understand where you're coming from? Yeah. So um, my supervisors uh, are all amazing. Like, yeah. They're all fully on board. I'm in the School of Sport at Leeds Beckett and my supervisor's kind of like, uh, it's it's like a really kind of mutual relationship. So okay. I've I learned so much from them, but also like they listen, they listen to me because like I've I've like because I'm 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 researching the experiences of refugees and I'm the one who's who's spent like the last five years of my life hanging out with people going through the asylum process. So, yeah, it's 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 a, it's it's. Even if that's just low, even if that doesn't transcend right across the university, for me, ev- just just with those three supervisors, it's yeah, they're in, they're really kind of supportive, and they really they really get it, yeah, and they they really understand what I'm what I'm talking about, and they're not kind of naive to to what's going on. Yeah, and if someone that was listening to this and lives in Yorkshire or Leeds, yeah. and was like, I'd like to help, yeah. Um, what would you say? Come down on Sunday, come play football yeah, with so us. Yeah, so if, if if it's up, to, I mean, it's up to, it's how it's how they want to help. So okay. if they wanted to play football, um, then yeah, come down, come down. But to, it's not necessarily you have to play football to be part of this kind of. Yeah, situation. so if you can, you can you can do you can you can just come down and see what it's like. Yeah. Um, even if you definitely don't want to play football, um, I'd say I'd say gain gain contact with us um, via yeah. via social via social media. And just just say, oh, I'm looking to play football. I don't really want to play football, but I want to do something else. I want to do something more. Is there any? Is there anything that's not football related in in Leeds or wherever going on, or or don't matter which city it is? And we can usually point point people in directions of of where to go or who to speak to, whether it's us or or someone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it, I think I think for 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 me, what's really special about about football for all. And your St. Paul is that it's done just as much for me as it has for for a refugee or asylum seeker. That like what I've taken, like this isn't this isn't like a service. This is yeah. This is like you're I've, a selfish bugger when it yeah, comes down to it. Yeah, exactly. That like I've <laughs> I've got so much through these friendships yeah. that like through the through the space of football for all. Like I'm I'm a like I'm a much happier person now than I was. Four years ago, before football for all happened, and that is all down to football for all. Yeah, like it's helped me so much as 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 much as it's helped other people as well. And that is just through playing football and just through having chilled out, relaxed relationships, like and friendships, just through just through kicking kicking uh, five quid football about yeah. for a few hours a day, for a few hours a week. Yeah. And it's special, man. It's Not those Sondaco footballs, please. No, we're, we've well, we're moving up in the world now because because uh, people have started giving us giving us like one-off donations and stuff like that. So of actual good balls. Yeah, so we're 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 now operating with the Adidas Tango Adidas Tango footballs. Cool. Which are like those retro Adidas yeah. Adidas ones, and they trust me, they're nice. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we we went through a phase when we first started out of playing with bad footballs, not quite the Sondaco ones, but. Uh, some we played with some pretty bad ones. Yeah, um, I saw recently um, you were fundraising to buy boots. Yeah, so um, we have a we 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 had a crowdfunder, um, and it was yeah it was crazy. Like I was 
like I was saying, we, we provide we provide kit um, for people who don't have their own kit, so they can just go into the kit bags and just take shirt, shirt, socks, and boots. And they they over over the last four years, they've all been donated just through people like sending and stuff and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, but recently, we realised that the the boots were in pretty bad nick. Yeah, and uh, over time, it just worn down so much. And we usually tell people if they're coming back to take the boots with them so that they don't have to go into this boot bag every week and look for boots that they yeah, now belong they to that person. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's what they're there for in the first place, right? So, um, but like I was I, on, I think it was like a w- midweek session on a Wednesday night. I was in like the dark in the lockup out the back of Power League going through boots trying to find like a pair of size eights and like just struggling so much and realised like half my time has been taken up just trying to find people kit and stuff like that. So... We we decided like almost like pretty reluctantly actually to be like um, we found boots for a tenner online a pair for a pair of New Balance boots which is ridiculously good so we put we kind of reluctantly decided to be like we'll just ask people let's just ask people for money because the amount of times people say oh I want to contribute but yeah. I don't want to play football or I live far away how can I help and this is like a really easy way of being like oh we've it's it's ten pound for a pair of football boots if you donate it's ten pound you'll buy someone a pair of football boots. Like you'll buy one of my mates' pair of football boots, yeah. um, and we 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 asked for like three hundred quid, and uh, I think within like two days we got like seven hundred and odd. Wow! And it was mad. It was mad. I think I found it like mad for a few reasons, but one of them was just like loads of my friends that I hadn't spoken to in ages all donated money, and like, yeah, people they're, they're from, keeping yeah, tabs and, on you, and people from people from school and stuff like that, yeah. and like people that aren't really kind of in my kind of direct friendship circles yeah. anymore and people I've just kind of lost touch with. Well, I'm sure just like you are with them, yeah. you know what they're up to. Yeah. And you're not, yeah. not seeing them because you've got malice towards yeah. them. It's like our lives are in different places, yeah. but they're thinking, oh, Chris exactly. is doing something cool. Exactly. And I think for me that was just such a, it was just a really nice thing just to see like the odd name pop up on, on, yeah. on and I made like a point of like messaging, messaging those people that I hadn't spoken to in ages saying, oh, I've seen you. I've seen your donation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, like yeah. you're aware of what's going on and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we got like seven hundred and I think yeah, I think it was like seven hundred fifty quid, something like that. And uh, yeah, my mate, my mate Scott ordered a uh, ordered thirty. We ordered thirty pairs of boots at first. What these ten are New Balance? Yeah, boots? yeah, yeah. I bought them out of order stock. Um, would you have to like email whoever it was and be like what have you got we just we just put it through on the website oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah and they were like and uh, Scott worked he got he got it delivered to uh, he got it delivered to I think it was like a PC World or yeah. something like that in, in, in Barnsley and uh, when he got it it was like the biggest package in the world <laughs> and they were like furious with him because they'd taken he'd taken up like all the space of the uh, of the of where the they uh, yeah so it, yeah it's mad and yeah we've got um, so we're doing that we've got like to save us time on, on like football sessions and stuff we've got um We've got we've got like loads of little drawstring bags to put them all into as well. Yeah. With the sizes written on them. So like I like I don't or or any or anyone who's looking for a pair of boots doesn't have to like randomly chuck through yeah. through boots in a bag anymore. And it's just little things like that that you really you really take for granted. And like that's where the money helps in just making everything a bit more smoother. And the the fact that people get aware of a nice fresh pair of boots. Yeah. 
it's just huge. It's just it's just yeah, it's it's lovely. And then we've got um, we got we ordered like a whole load of new kit as well from um, from Hummel, um, yeah. who who kind of saw what we we're doing and were like, well, you can you can order kit from us at seventy five percent discount of listed prices in Carlisle. So um, we got some. We we got we only found out uh, about this. I think we found out about this after we did the crowdfunding thing. But we got uh, two thousand euros from um, from uh, the Kaiser Chiefs and the band, uh, not the yeah, football club. The band, yeah, as uh, the uh, in in collaboration with the football club. They as met, in the football club St. Pound, not yeah, oh, meant as, Kaiser Chiefs, yeah, the South African yeah, football club. Yeah, not them. Not them. The band and San Paulo the football <laughs> club. Um, they put on a gig together and the Kaiser Chiefs played it and they made like Kaiser Chiefs San Paulo t shirts. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, the money that we make off this we'll donate to you guys. And we were like, are you, are you, are you sure? <laughs> and we didn't think it'd be much. We didn't know if it was like a cut or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like got the email the other day and it was like, I don't yes. yeah, and it was like two thousand euros, and we're just gonna help you. Yeah, out. yeah. So with that, we we've bought loads of kit off Hummel. We bought like sixty shirts and forty shorts and loads of socks off Hummel because uh, socks is like a big thing, and people forget that people need socks to play football because yeah. you can't wear normal socks yeah. and football boots. Um, and then we're moving with that as well we're moving from Wednesday nights where we have a five-a-side pitch booked because we're getting like 20 people to show up on a five-a-side pitch yeah. and it was just chaos yeah. it was absolute chaos on a Wednesday night and it's more expensive on a Wednesday night as well so we were we weren't even breaking even on that yeah um so uh we've managed to book a seven-a-side pitch will be like a, a lot more comfortable and and accommodate a lot more people but obviously the price is is more so we're using that to subsidize to subsidize um seven aside and that's just going to keep us going for 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 a long a long time hopefully and it's just like because we're not because we've made like this really kind of active choice not to be a charity and not to even like have that kind of any kind of like organization because we want to remain this kind of organic bunch of mates where you can just kind of where you, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like you're showing up and you're like using the service of an organization or okay. something it just feels like a bunch of mates and we always wanted to make it like that so I feel like if we kind of went down the charity road we'd lose we'd lose that vibe yeah so like we don't even have like a Yorkshire St. Pauli bank account or anything like that it's all kind of so we rely on like little bits here and there just to kind of top us up and keep us going like we are pretty the Sundays are pretty self-sustaining but the the midweek sessions we we lose money on and then um we also we also do a monetary donation to Pathros once a month which run like I was saying before they provide hot meals once a week we we pay for those hot meals as uh once a month so one out of four yeah. Of those is funded by Yorkshire San Paoli. So um yeah, so we we rely on little bits here and there, but um yeah, we get we get by it. But it's uh it's yeah. It's it's just like more than anything, it's that thing of like we don't wanna be we don't wanna be a big organisation or anything like that. We just we all like when it comes down to it, we are just a bunch of mates having a kick about and it should never feel like that. Uh, never feel like more or less than that. Yeah, it should just feel like this accessible thing that anyone can dip in and out of, and can can shape it how they want to shape it. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, um, that's amazing. Thank you for talking to me. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having um, me. I guess we should start wrapping up, really. Um, I did ask a friend of ours, um, Andy Stevenson, if there was oh, anything yeah. I should ask. Oh, God. And he did ask me to ask you, what's the best joke you've heard this week? Do you know what? I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't quite remember how he phrased it, but like it was something about ducks and being into bread. I think that you don't need to go anymore. That's perfect. Yeah. And, yeah, he was he was on fire, and I was the only one that laughed and applauded him off that stage at the t-shirt gig weather the other night. I thought he was brilliant. I thought, and everyone else was throwing mouldy apples at him. I'm sure. Like I said to him, they weren't good enough to get that joke. He was better than them. Interesting. Yeah. Um, cool. I guess we'll wrap there. Anything you want to say? Any? Any? Where can we find Yorkshire St. Pauli? Uh, find us on Twitter. If you just search Yorkshire St. Pauli, you'll find us. Um, same with Facebook and. We are on Instagram, but we're a bit we're a bit shit at Instagram. So. Fair enough. Um, where can we find you on a Sunday and a Wednesday? Uh, on a Sunday and a Wednesday, you can find us at uh, Power League Central in Leeds. And uh, if you want to watch some Power League games with us, all the details will be on social media as well, where we meet up and watch that. Sweet. Cheers, Webby. Much Cheers, appreciated. Mate. Thanks for having me. Cool. Hey, thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded by Liam Clayton check him out at Liam C Audio on Twitter this song was chosen by Chris it's called The Binders Chill uh, it's by Pal Kids on their 7 inch Holy Mess it was picked one because they're a great band two because Chris has put them on under the YSP banner before and three because David who plays bass in this band has also played at the YSP Sundays so yeah enjoy it take care bye bye